Tired of the negative news and flashover substance? It's time for Today with Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy Patrick is a trial attorney, patriot, and PhD with a passion for people and a penchant for politics. Dr. Wendy brings you the headlines, streamlined news you can use. It's time to be informed, engaged, and entertained. Now, here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick and my co-host Larry Dersham and I have a fabulous show for you as always. Larry, who's our first guest tonight? Carol Ward is founder and CEO of Favor International that brings the gospel message to the people of Sudan and Uganda. Carol Ward lives a life many would not believe is real. She dares to follow God and change nations one life at a time. Hers is the story of one woman's commitment to her God and to the love for his people. Her journey and her story began by stepping out in faith when she prayed with a sincere heart, send me where no one wants to go. Although she was told repeatedly by U.S. authorities and other organizations she would come back in a body bag, Carol, (laughs) though through her faith and power in God, has been transforming lives in northern Uganda and South Sudan for the kingdom of God for the last 18 years. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, Carol. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be with you, Larry and Dr. Wendy. Carol, I just love uh, that uh, that prayer. Send me where no one wants to go. I cannot even imagine how few people would ever dare to have the faith to pray that prayer. You know, most people would like to be missionaries in, in areas where there's there's comfort and there's enough food and there's safety and all the rest of the comforts of life that we enjoy. But you prayed, send me where no one wants to go. Uh, What led you to become a missionary to Uganda and Sudan? Well, I grew up in the jungles of the Philippines with ISIS uh, terrorists because my parents were Wycliffe Bible translators for 60 years. And I watched Mm. them fearlessly take the gospel to unreached people group. And that was kind of in my blood. So when I prayed that prayer, I realized that nine out of ten missionaries goes where people go where people have already heard. And probably one out of ten go where no one has ever heard the gospel. And Jesus left 99 to go after the one. So that was my heart cry because I love him so much. I want to leave the 99 and go after the one. Well, Carol, uh, you have incredible stories about how fasting and prayer and even corporate prayer can change not only individuals but nations. Can you give us some examples of how fasting and corporate prayer have made a difference? Yes, during the terrible 20-year war in northern Uganda, which is called the LRA War with Joseph Kony, human sacrifices were being made daily, and UN said it was the worst atrocity since Hitler on the NBC Dateline News. And so it was pretty horrific, but nothing can stop that, not governments or systems or anything but God. Psalm 46 says he brings wars to an end and causes them to cease. So my heart cry was, Lord, if Second Chronicles 7.14 is really true and you can heal a land no matter how dark and devastated, then what is our role to play in order to see that healing? And so 
my cry after eight months of praying six, seven hours a day with the nationals in this war zone was to see a Second Chronicles 714 prayer movement where over a thousand people could get on their faces for 10, 11 hours a day and actually live out Second Chronicles 714 to seek his face, not his hands, to repent and turn to pray and to humble ourselves in absolute utter dependency on but God and nothing but God. And in the middle of that horrific war, that's what we did. And on the day five, the government called me and said, if you were the ones praying in the stadium, they said, we want you to know it feels like this big black curtain has been pulled back in the atmosphere over the whole region, and we can feel the heavens are open. Now, they were quoting 2 Chronicles 6, when the heavens are brass, it's my people. And so that was a testimony right then of the power and truth that God's Word is real. If we do our part, He'll keep His. So for 20 years... We do. You know what I love about that is, you know, so many people quote the Gospels for so many different things. And here you are quoting Old Testament promises that are just as relevant today. And, you know, there are so many examples of nations fasting and praying and getting together and the way revivals begin. We're doubly blessed today because with, as Christians, we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, which hadn't been poured out yet back in the day. But I love the the reference to it, it impacting the nation, the, the region, not just those that have been praying. And, you know, when we talk about fasting and praying nowadays, I mean, most people can't even go two hours without a meal. How do we approach that in, in the sense that we can actually make that a disciplined portion of our lives today in 2023? I think we have to come to a point to where we have no plan B and no plan C. Jesus is A, B, and C, and it's but God and nothing else. And so that, that, that brings us to desperation. And all through the Bible, we see where God answers the cries of the desperate, not the complacent, lukewarm, or half-hearted. And so when we come together with desperate cries and a hunger, and unity, and that doesn't mean we agree on everything. It means we're coming for a common purpose, to cry out to the King of kings and Lord of lords, and prevailing prayer, like Luke 18, persistent and prevailing, until we see heaven rent and the answer comes. Then we can see the same thing in these nations as well. And we're seeing government-shaking movements happen after these national prayer gatherings of 77 hours, which we do in stadiums every single year in both these nations, headlines change. And if it's possible there, it sure is possible anywhere, because God's word is true. Carol, when you come back to the States, uh, you know, from your mission trip, and I know you're going to go back, but you, you're, I think believe you're in the States right now, I'm sure you've noticed how our media, our entertainment, our politicians, and large swaths of the people have turned their backs on God, in my opinion. Do you have any thoughts on how we here in the United States can restore our nation and put our trust back in God? Yes, a few things that I'm watching him do in this massive revival in Uganda, we and, and, and South Sudan and northward into the 1040 window. We haven't even had the foundational roots of godliness as America had. So God is able to restore and rebuild, as he says in Isaiah 61 and Isaiah 58. But the prayer is the main thing. The, the, the four things mentioned in Second Chronicles 714. And God can move 
from grassroots upward to government. That's where the sap comes from the ground and comes up the roots, goes up the tree, and makes the leaves green. And so he showed me that picture that grassroots level movements of prayer can change and transform the hearts of government because the heart is in the king's hand just like the course of a river he said in proverbs he can turn it he holds the government government's in derision and in his hand and he can do anything when he sees his people pray so we're even seeing god appear to terrorist leaders in dreams and visions when we're in three weeks of prayer and fasting as a team and god divinely visit them one man four nights in a row and he was burning churches and beating Christians, executing them four nights in a row. God appeared to him and transformed him into a missionary. And now he's on our team and we're going with him into these terrorist areas. So he, there's nothing he can't do when he finds the heart. You know, that is such dangerous work that you're involved in. And it's just it's fascinating that, you know, you grew up in that environment. And um, it sounds like you are still praying for those people and and actively um, working in that sort of, gosh, I mean, war zone, both uh, physically and spiritually, I would say. How can people get in touch with your organization? We're on the website, favorintl.org. That's F-A-V-O-R-I-N-T-L.org. And, um, yeah, they can see pictures and stories and write and, uh, and even come visit and be a part. Uh, but it's exciting. We're seeing five to 6,000 people a month come to Jesus with discipleship. So transformation is happening rapidly, as it was in the New Testament church and all the miracles that were in the book of Acts. And, uh, but because of prayer. They prayed daily and got added to the church daily. And so there's no shortcut. We want the power of Acts, but we have to have the prayer life of Acts. So, yes, we'd love to have anybody connect. <laughs> Wow, that's that, that is just so spectacular. And uh, you talk about spirituals uh, mapping and so forth. We just have a, about a minute or two left, or about a minute. What is spiritual mapping? We actually get out physical maps and we look at regions and territories and say, Lord, as David inquired of the Lord for every battle and strategy and action plan, we also do you about every nation. Show us what light is there and has ever been there in the history of that nation and show us darkness because you cannot spoil the goods until the strong man is bound and then show us the strategy of prayer and fasting before we enter and invade that region and we bring light into the darkest darkness has to be otherwise darkness is never dispelled you know one of my um favorite scriptures that's you know it's in, in the psalms you hear you see it elsewhere is that you know for god there is no darkness and night and the day are the same mm-hmm. to him it's you know it's, it's all it's all the same and i think you know all of that is just so comforting it's amazing um the truths in in some of these passages you're citing i just want to thank you for joining us and i mean what a re- refreshing um review of yes. some of these beloved passages so mm-hmm. we're at the end of the show i want to thank Thank you for coming on. I hope to be able to have you back sometime. Thank you for all the great work that you do, and uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you, Carol. Thank you, too. Amen. All right. We need to take a very short commercial break, but don't touch that dial. We have another amazing segment for you when we return. You're listening to Today with Dr. Wendy. We will be back in a flash.
news cycle lowlights have no place here. You're listening to the headline highlights on Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. It's time for more news you can use. The headlines streamline. It's time for more Today with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Welcome back to another edition of Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick, and Larry Dershman and I have a second-half topic that probably won't surprise anyone. (laughs) We are officially on Indictment Watch. Uh, Much of the news cycle this week has been dominated by whether or not the, the former president is going to be indicted by a grand jury in New York. And this was all by the way. This timeline was somewhat accelerated by the former president's own true social post last Saturday, uh, predicting with apparently without any notification that he was going to be arrested on Tuesday. So um, Tuesday was game day. It came and went. No arrest. Not that there would necessarily be an arrest anyway for the crime that is highly speculated to be on the table for the grand jury. Nonetheless, it has really made everyone start talking about what the consequences could be of a criminal indictment on a former president. Yeah, it would be unprecedented, um, but there's a lot more to the equation than just that, given the 2024 election cycle is just getting into gear. Larry, what say you about this very interesting turn of events over the course of the last week? I think that uh, the whole case is is unjustified. Basically, in a best-case scenario, it would have been a misdemeanor. And it's a very novel uh, case they're trying to bring against him. Uh, Just a couple things. Uh, Stormy Daniels, uh, that's not her real name, but that's that's her uh, screen name, I guess, wrote a letter, and uh, Donald Trump just produced this back in 2018, where she denies ever having an affair with Donald Trump. And it's in her own writing, it's in her her own signature, and so forth. Uh, Another item, uh, just on Monday uh, of this week, uh, Robert Costello, Michael Cohen's former legal advisor, says that Cohen is a liar, uh, and is a serial liar. And then also, get this, Wendy, Alvin Bragg, he he ran for district attorney in 2021 as a Soros-backed candidate, and he promised at that time to arrest Donald Trump if elected into office. Sounds like a bit of bias there. Everything about this case, in my opinion, is wrong. The fact that we're even discussing this and not discussing the Ukraine war or the energy crisis or you name it, it just goes to show you what we'd like to focus on, I guess, or what the media likes to focus on. I, I think it's an yeah. unjust case. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Before the tweet, um, well, tweet, I, I digress. I'm so used to Donald Trump tweeting. And even though he could be doing it again, apparently he's um, he really enjoys Truth Social. Um, but one of the things I think that has really captured the attention of this particular case is what it would mean if he were indicted. I mean, there's nothing that says a, a convicted felon can't run for president. That's not in the requ- lack of a criminal record is not one of the requirements 
of running for president. And Congress can't add to the list that already is there. Now, the, the irony here is that it's true a convicted felon can run for president, but depending on where he or she lives, they can't vote for themselves <laughs> because there are different rules in different states about voting. But be that as it may, that's sort of an interesting bit of trivia. The, um, the, what the grand jury is, is talking about is a secret. So we don't know what they have. We're guessing that it's that misdemeanor falsifying business records made a felony because it's in furtherance of covering up another crime. We're guessing that's what it is. And the other crime, of course, would be misclassifying legal fees paid to Michael Cohen when it actually was a campaign donation. That's sort of the flavor of what is speculated to be the topic of what the grand jury is is looking at. But, you know, we, we don't know that there's any impropriety here. And, you know, that's why, you know, it's, it's always interesting that, you know, people are they want to know both sides of the story. And the court of public opinion has very, um, very staunch beliefs. But when you really look down, a lot of those beliefs are based not on what the grand jury is actually doing, because that's a secret. We don't know. But really sort of based on what some of the voices on either side, the dueling narratives are putting forth. Um, some commonality, obviously, there are some facts that are not in dispute, but it's, you know, it's an interesting um, sort of juxtaposition of politics and law, as has plagued almost every issue involving the former president, Mar-a-Lago, um, as you mentioned, the Stormy Daniels payout, the, um, the Georgia uh, grand jury uh, potential um, indictment that he faces down there for the phone call. Remember that? The find me 17,000 votes and whatever the number yes, it was. Yes. And then on top of all the rest of that, you know, he is still um, facing other cases, civil cases. I mean, he's no stranger to litigation. But one question, Larry, that I just think is an interesting one within the court of public opinion is, you know, with all these jurisdictions eyeing different charges, some wonder, well, why this first? Is it because the statute of limitations run, you know, is, is the first to run? Is it because it's the best case? Some think Stormy Daniels, you know, that that's so 2016. Why would we start with that? But, you know, there's a lot of reasons behind the scenes that lawyers decide to um, do the things they do. And it's also true that one jurisdiction isn't going to necessarily pull the trigger on their investigation just because another one did, right? Right. Well, I just think the whole thing is, uh, I think I saw a poster about this, get Trump. The obvious object, uh, in my opinion, it, they, they do not want him to be president again under any circumstance. And I heard, uh, this is really interesting, Wendy, uh, Dan Bongino, who's got a great radio talk show, he's on TV, he's like one of my favorites. He used to be a Secret Service, and he guarded Obama, uh, President Obama, for three years. And he said the threat level, the threat level against Trump oh. supersedes anything he's ever seen. And he's an expert at determining threat levels, uh, even more so, even a higher threat level than, than would be against Biden. And to me, this whole thing reminds me, it's one case after another case after another case. And you've got to think, Wendy, look, they're talking in the media, especially the what they call the mainstream media, uh, every day about this. Don't you think there's so many people that are being... They're, they're being aroused uh, against him just by hearing these stories every day. Do you think there's a chance that somebody would take an action that would be horrible? And basically, yeah, they're that, being incited by the news media to go after this guy. I've never seen anything like it. It's, it's a horrible thing for the country. 
Yeah, you know, the one thing we want to do is keep everybody safe. We want to keep the former president safe. We want to keep the crowd safe. We want to keep the streets safe. And that's one of the reasons you saw such mobilization over the course of this past week, where law enforcement agencies were partnering with court security and Secret Service uh, that guards the president. Everybody was mobilizing and coordinating to try to have a safe atmosphere for everyone, including the former president. But you mentioned him particularly having the Secret Service protection, which he still has. Think about how complicated it would be if he were to actually be arrested, because Secret Service is there guarding him. So it's going to be a negotiated surrender. It's not going to be an arrest or a perp walk in handcuffs, although the former president has said that he would love that. Um, but he will be having a mugshot taken if, in fact, he's indicted. He'll be booked and released. He'll be fingerprinted. Um, he'll probably have that, that winning smile in his thumb up in the air. I don't know. But, you know, it, it really does complicate the analysis to have someone that, as you mentioned, is under that kind of threat, is subject to and is vulnerable, uniquely vulnerable because of the heated rhetoric, as you mentioned. Um, I mean, on the one hand, nobody wants another January 6th. On the other, nobody wants you know, anybody to be in danger, whether it's President Trump, whether it's people around him. And that's one of the reasons his security is as tight as it is. Um, one other thing this brings up when you talk about, you know, um, people are getting angry that they're looking at a potential indictment. You also have to believe that anybody who is thinking about charging him, whether it's civilly, criminally or otherwise, nobody wants to swing and miss. So everyone, all these jurisdictions that are looking at their cases are making sure, I would think, that they have enough evidence to proceed before they do. Um, and if we do have, by the way, Larry, an indictment next week, um, one of the things people are, uh, would like to know is obviously we want to know what the charges are. But that indictment itself before the arraignment, is it going to be what we call a speaking indictment? In other words, will it be, you know, full of facts? that we want to know that established the crime charge, or is it going to be very streamlined? Is it going to be a, a very thin indictment that doesn't have as much detail as we would like, saving that, of course, for the upcoming court proceedings? I mean, all of these questions we have going into yet another weekend, and you know, if the president gets on Truth Social again, and says something else, I mean, that'll just create even more speculation and conversation over the weekend. You know, we, I think a lot of the news media and the general public would probably just like to have a weekend off and start to enjoy spring break instead of having all the news cycle dominated with whether or not the president's going to be indicted next week. Yeah, well, look at this again. The focus is on this. It's all about control. They do not want this man in. He, he's going to destroy their plans for what they're moving towards, a socialist America, which will just be part of a, a, a one-world government is basically what they're doing. We have inflation. We have bank failures. We have the aftermath of the pandemic and, and the, uh, the aftermath of the COVID shots that are uh, causing problems for a lot of people. And yet we're focusing on this. To me, it's so clear and, and uh, obvious what they're trying to do. And as far as if something happens to him, this is one example. Remember Nelson Mandela in South Africa? He was in prison for life. And he got out of prison and he became a leader of South Africa. So in a worst case scenario, in my mind, if uh, Trump is indicted and uh, something would go against him as far as like uh, losing this case, uh, he could still be president, as you mentioned already, Wendy. So I'm very hopeful that American people will finally wake up and say, enough is enough. Stop bullying this person. You've you've 
basically tortured him and his family. It's not fair bullying and it's not good the for bully. the presidents. Yeah. Bullying the bully. <laughs> yeah. Larry, that's, your analysis is always lively and spicy. I love it. And I also love the fact that we are going into a beautiful weekend finally. So to our listeners, please enjoy the rest of the sunshine. We are delighted you've joined us tonight. We look forward to having you next week. Have a wonderful, safe rest of your weekend. And please join us next Saturday night for more of Today with Dr. Wendy. Headlines with the silver lining. Have a great week and God bless you. Thank you for joining us for Today with Dr. Wendy. You can learn more about Dr. Wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com. That's wendypatrickphd.com. Tune in every week at this same time as Dr. Wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day. This has been Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego.